Hi, welcome back to Drinks First. Today I have an exciting guest who is a podcaster himself, I think, question mark. I'm on the back end. So we we have turned our living room into a podcast studio, but I, I don't actually podcast myself. So we you're just... not the one in front of the mic. <laughs> no. No, I'm 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 not I'm almost never the one in front of the mic, which is why this is so fun for me. Okay, great. Well, we're just going to start with getting to know you because I actually don't at all. Uh, you came on. It's fantastic. Recommendation from a friend, which is my favorite interviews because then I actually get to learn about you as everyone else is learning about you. Uh, so we're going to just start with the base questions, which is where are you from? Where in New York City do you live now? How old are you and what do you do for work? I was born in New York City and grew up for the most part in Connecticut, an hour from the city. Um, but my dad has always lived abroad in, in Europe. So half my life has sort of been back and forth from New York, tri-state. I've lived downtown in Soho now for 10 years. I'm 31. Absolutely love New York. And today, my main business is running a consulting firm where I help celebrities and influencers invest in startups or build businesses. And I do a lot of work in that ecosystem, helping people grow things through audiences. And did you go to college? If so, where and what did you study? Yeah. So I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas for two years, had way too much fun. Uh, came back to New York to finish my undergrad in finance at Fordham's business school here. But I, I have to say the, the academic trajectory was not my favorite. I took a full-time job when I was a junior in college and then just took like one class a semester forever until I got that piece of paper. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've always sort of, I think, part ego and part just like creativity and ambition, like had a distaste for academics. It just because I felt like it wasn't the environment I learned best in. So I, I felt a little disappointed and let down by, by the classroom environment. And then, um, I was just always like working on projects or working on a business or working for other people instead of working on homework. <laughs> so what brought you to New York? Was it going to Fordham and then did you just stay? So I always knew I wanted to be in New York. Um, you know, growing up here, having been born here, having proximity to New York, um, it was always nostalgic because my mother would take myself and my siblings to a Broadway show or, you know, something during the holidays or, you know, as we got into our teenage years, we would come into the city to go out or shop or whatever it might be. Um, and I knew that this is where I wanted to build a life because I felt like the accessibility to things and the opportunity and the energy was so vibrant that it just felt like it fit my personality. I'm extroverted. I'm a connector. I'm a, you know, I feel like I've built my life and business on relationships, like being in the right time at the right place, you know, around the right people. And that's how I got jobs. It's how I built my career. It's, it's how I uh, fall in love with New York every day. I feel like, you know, partly living in Soho and partly my personality, but I, I run into someone I know on the street every day, like every day. And to me, that just warms my heart. Like I, I, I love that serendipity and I love, um, I love New York City because it feels, makes me feel alive and I fall in love with New York 
every day. Yeah, I think it's hard for people to imagine, but New York City is actually just the smallest place in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. you can be doing whatever the fuck random thing and you will bump into someone you know <laughs> from some facet of your life at some point. Yeah, and I think I think New York as a world is so small. I think um, oftentimes, like, we're truly like one or two people removed from anyone in our own ecosystem. So I'm sure, you know... We may have even been in the same room at one of our mutual Probably. friends' events, you know, and and I think the, the likelihood of that is very high. So it's it's fun to have these moments because I think proximity to people and, and access is also really important to me. So I feel like I can be anywhere in New York City in 20 minutes. And, you know, that could be an Uber across the bridge to Williamsburg. It could be, you know, the subway uptown. I just came from a meeting in Midtown. Uh, or I city bike to the West Village and see a friend. Or I think that type of access between the you know city bike, subway, and like a car if you need it, I think is really important to how I want to live. I think I've lived in LA, I've lived in London, and both of those places are very big, mm-hmm. and the accessibility does not feel as like attainable. So, you know, you get people who live West who don't go East and vice versa. And, um, yeah, there's an air of flakiness, but I, I think, um, because of that, it just lacks like an intimacy that I, I love in New York. Yeah. I feel like oftentimes New York is clumped into cities like LA and London, but those cities are built out, whereas New York is built up. And so we're so contained in this, like, I, I, Love London as a city. I've also lived there. Um, I hate LA. I just hate the West Coast. (laughs) I'm like a New Yorker through and through. But what I didn't like about London is that it's like minimum 40 minutes anywhere, even if Mm. you're in the center. So you're so just like isolated kind of in the neighborhood and the experience that you have there. And then to like you can't be spontaneous in the way that you are in New York. It's it's definitely more difficult. And I I spent a lot of time there and – it's funny because at least in New York, like it's a bit of a grid, right? It's like straight up and down, left, right, you know. Uh, but in London, like the even the two stations are, are sort of mapped out in a upside down way where <laughs> it, it's like, okay, well, I got to make three changes just to get where I'm going. Um, but I will say that the only sport that I really watch is English Premier League soccer. Mm. And, um, I grew up playing soccer and I, I love the culture. Um, and I have to say, if I didn't live in New York, I would probably live in London. Yeah. I mean, first of all, they speak English. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge priority. Uh, and then it's just a jumping off point for the rest of the world. It's like, should we take the train to Boston for the weekend or Paris? Like, what are we talking about? So I think um, it's hard not to spend time there for me. Yeah. So you said that you grew up in Connecticut, but like yeah. you're – dad kind of worked all over the yeah, place so my my dad is from norway and okay. he was the first in his family to come to the states and met my mom and they have a really cute story she's uh she's from the states and they took out a loan to get married at central park and like have this wonderful love story where you know they fell in love and worked hard and um but him being european he always um worked abroad and so even when he started businesses, they were always abroad. Um, and he's always refused to be an American citizen, which I think is great. <laughs> the guy's my best friend, my hero, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, family is super important to me. So I'm the oldest of five. 
Whoa. Yeah. How, oldest of five, how many like brothers and sisters? So I, I have a brother and three younger sisters. Um, the youngest two are both adopted. They're from 15 minutes from where we grew up in Connecticut. So being involved in their lives and um, we met them through a, a charity called Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Yeah, I, I think for me, family is, is always been important and will continue to be. So I have a brother who's back and forth from Connecticut, New York, a couple sisters still in Connecticut. And then uh, my, my eldest sister is in Los Angeles. So you said that with your dad moving around. So were you in Connecticut the whole time then growing up or did you also move no, around? So we lived for five years when I was younger in Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Whoa. Off of the coast of Turkey. Yeah. Very cool. I was young. It's like age two to seven. Mm. I uh, have all these home videos of because I was going to a Greek school. I had a British accent. Uh, like, I'm not going to clean up my mess. You can't make me do it. I won't. <laughs> Um, and unfortunately we grew out of that, but then we, we lived in Cy in Connecticut, uh, most of my life, uh, from 97 to now. And we spent a couple of years in London in between when my dad moved and ended up staying over there. Um, my parents are still together 36 years. Um, he just happens to commute to work. So it's four or five weeks abroad and one week home, but I never felt like um, I was never not close to him. He was just always working, and like we, we understood that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, I liked growing up in Connecticut. It's a great place to grow up, have a yard, dogs. That's so interesting because my like parents are also pretty similar. They have been married for thirty five years, and my dad, like growing up, kind of worked all over the place because he like worked for mm. a French bank, then he worked for Citibank, and so he was like based all over. There were like always threats of not threats, but like <laughs> you know, oh, we might move to London, we might move to Mexico City, we might move to Miami. <laughs> like there was just always. At one point, oh. it was I, I think in high school because he was doing work down in North Carolina. Um, he opened like a business down there because mm -hmm. he went to Duke for business school, and it was like he sent me a, a website to look at a school in Raleigh. Durham mm -hmm. um, area. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I'm not leaving New York City to move to North Carolina. That's fucking crazy. And my mom said the same thing. Uh, so he ended up like having to live in North Carolina like five days of the week and then would commute back to New York City <laughs> because we refused to move. Um, but it was yeah, it was very similar. Like my parents were and are still together. And they mm. a lot of that was spent like of my dad working in other places and coming back. But I, I like talked to my mom about it. And she's like, I think it was the best thing for our marriage. You know, when you're with somebody for 30 plus, I mean, they've been married 35 years, but they've been together longer than that. So yep. she's like, it gives you a sense of independence back into your relationship, which, you know, I think is kind of beautiful. Like they both have their own separate lives, like full separate lives outside of each other, even at this age and yep. still love each other very much. And yeah. Uh, we we have a great happy family. So. Yeah, same. I mean, they they make it work, and I think um, it's been cool to see them make it work and work on it and fall in love over new projects and and just um, I think there there doesn't have to be you know one way to do it. I I think I probably want to be closer to my kids and my partner than than my dad was, but um, it at least gives me confidence that like you know you can really make anything feasible. And I, I think, um, and still 
be good parents and show up. And, and I heard it just based on that partner. I think quote, I had a, I had a friend tell me the other day, she was like, you know, I'm not looking for a boyfriend or a husband. I'm looking for a partner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, that that's it. I think that was a great sentiment. Yeah. I think a lot of, and it sounds like your parents are kind of similar to mine where like they probably both have their own careers and goals and lives that they want to live. And I'm sure that has been passed on to their kids to some degree because I feel similarly where I'm like, you know, I have a certain life I want to live and I'm like striving to reach that life and I want a partner who can do that with me. And it seems like you're also very career oriented. So I want to like hear a little bit about your career, how you fell into what you're doing, because it sounds like you're creator adjacent, but not a creator necessarily. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, tell me more. It's it's, it's happening. Um, I always knew I wanted to do something creative and, and something around content. My first business in New York was an art gallery. Um, and it literally was just me falling in with some some friends who are artists and and being like offering to be helpful to creative people. So I've I've always throughout my career been on the business end for creative people whether they were artists or musicians or founders or who, whoever it is. Um, and so I had a year long lease in Soho on a, on a gallery space to see if it was something I wanted to do, you know, as a career after college. And, um, if it, if it made sense, um, we had some amazing success in a New York times article and, um, some more even fantastic failure. So, um, I ended up having to like evict an artist from the gallery who was living there and just, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong, even though what seemed like success was, was happening. So I think for me, I, I realized I wanted some more foundational sort of hard skills just because, I had started to meet through the art world, some entrepreneurs and founders and investors and um, families uh, that were more prominent. So I ended up taking a job at an investment bank um, and then a, a second investment bank and um, basically learning how to buy and sell things. And the boutiques that I worked at, we focused on like the lower and middle market. So working with creators and founders, um, on, on smaller companies was something I was familiar with. And I started during that time advising friends who had startups. And, um, and then I, I worked for a family office and hedge funds. And then in 2018, I got an opportunity to join a friend of a friend who had honestly just asked me to be helpful. And I, I spent a couple hours with her talking to her about her business and helped her make like a five-year plan. And she was like, do you want to you do this plan with me? I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, I kind of need a co-founder and you could be our COO. And for me at the time, I was, I was thrilled. I was so excited. I was excited to sink my teeth into something. Mm-hmm. And my mother had an absolute fit uh, leaving this like desk job where she could tell her friends where I worked and this big salary and to, to leave and join a startup where, you know, I wasn't making more than six figures. And, um, I was like, no mom, I I have this thing called equity. It's, it's going to be great. Um, but, uh, I fell in love with it and fell in love with building companies and we raised a lot of money. We hired a lot of people. And when COVID hit, 
the business was uh, like a real estate tech company and mm. COVID just absolutely interrupted our business model. And it interrupted a fundraise that was going to see us grow out of New York to LA, Dallas, Miami, Boston, um, even Chicago. And so I had to let go of around 70 people. Um, and it was really inconvenient, uh, obviously, but sort of a sad process. But through that transition period, I had a lot of people in my network that were close to me ask me to help them not shut down their company. They're like, I see mm. what you're doing over there, shutting that thing down. Could you make sure that doesn't happen to us? <laughs> what did you learn? Um, and so I, I ended up building myself um, and like institutionalizing myself as a, as a consultant and helping companies in the venture ecosystem um, solve problems. And so, you know, I, I think I'm grateful because today, like my job is to help people um, at, at any stage. And I sort of mentioned this or alluded to it earlier around relationships. Like, I feel like I can solve any problem for any company at any stage or any person through my network of relationships. I'm normally not the one solving your problem. It's you bring me in and I know a guy and I know a person mm -hmm. and I know, you know, and I'm, I'm dot connecting in a way where I can impact businesses, whether they need to sell, they need to buy, they need to raise money, they need to invest money, whatever it is. Um, and during COVID, I got an opportunity with friends, I'm laughing, to start a TikTok house in Los Angeles. And it was literally just an experiment to learn. Said, okay, seems like this TikTok thing is going to be a real thing. Um, a friend of mine who works for a, um, you know, a big media agency, his second TikTok uh, got like 16 million views in 48 hours. And uh, he was like, all right, this is, this is a real thing. We should learn it. We got an Airbnb in LA. We put friends in the house um, and we got to a million followers in 60 days. And we're just by throwing stuff at the wall. And I think at the time, uh, this is fall 2020, you could do that on TikTok and like, just people weren't really uh, that ambitious yet. And I think it was a really exciting learning experience. And that's how I really fell into a lot of the creator work I do now, specifically mm. with influencers, because very rarely does a creator come to me and they say, hey, I'm making so much money. I don't know what to do with it. It's, I would say 80% of the time, it's, I have 3 million followers, I have 2 million followers, and I'm not making money. Like, And you're like, hold on, how are you not making any money? And um, I get to problem solve or integrate them into startups or companies and help them build themselves a business. Um, I think a lot of young people that I work with have gone viral first and then they try to figure out business. But mm -hmm. being able to come from the business operator side of things and, and help people find consistency rather than chase virality has been really fun. And so now... Um, my, my buddy and I have launched a YouTube channel where I think both of us wanted to be in content for a long time, but, but didn't know what that looked like necessarily, mm. but we had all these relationships with creators and influencers, celebrities, and we wanted selfishly to, to figure out how to monetize them or scale them. And, and then we had lots of creator friends who said, you guys should turn on the camera. You know, you do interesting things, but if 
you don't film it. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> so um, we came up with a concept where every episode features a different creator as a guest and we go do a bucket list activity with them. So, you know, in a few weeks, we're going shark diving with a creator, but we've done all kinds of fun stuff. And we have a pipeline of fun stuff where we're getting brands to, to pay for things that we're doing, which is a dream um, to do fun stuff with fun people and have someone else you know, pay for it, make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we don't have an audience yet. So we're leveraging the audience of our guests. And that's been productive. And I also mentioned I'm not a podcaster, but we've turned my living room into a studio and we rent it out to friends and um, always finding ways to to be sustainable, self-sufficient, like whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, I think we're always trying to find ways to to put things together to, to cover our costs to make things happen. So um, it's been a lot of fun, but um, content creation has been such a learning curve and I have mm-hmm. such a newfound respect for creators. Um, I had no idea how little I knew about content, even having like been helping content creators. Yeah. The, I mean, the creator economy is so different from anything that exists because it's so volatile at any point in mm. time. You could go viral and make a lot of money, but that does not mean there's consistency in the business at all. So I think people look at people who have tons and tons of followers and say like, oh my gosh, like you must be making so much money. Mm. But that's not how it works at all. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. I I have friends, you know, who might have like over a million followers and their money does not come from social media whatsoever. Or or they still have their full-time job. Oh, absolutely. That's (laughs) most, most successful creators I know still have full-time jobs. And they also pull in a lot of their income. They might have a lot of their income from social media, but social media doesn't provide stable paychecks and health insurance and things like that. So, and on top of that, you're your own boss. You are paying your own taxes every quarter. Like there's so much more to being a create, like a monetized and successful creator, which is why I'm sure, you know, people kind of branch out to all these different kinds of revenue streams. It's like, let me start a business. Let me start a merch line. Let me start a podcast. And let me see like how I can diversify my income stream while also creating. And then you're just taking on like a million other jobs beyond (laughs) what you might have intended to start with. But it's, it's a skill to be able to be business minded and also a creator. And I don't think I've seen necessarily that many people do it super successfully full time without the right people surrounding them. So it's necessary. I think if you have you already have those connections, you're already building something like that is already so valuable to to people who are going to need that help because that's every day somebody new goes viral. You know, I'm sure you see that. (laughs) It's great. But it's funny you say that because every day someone new goes viral, but then, you know, some of them who have built virality or an audience they would love a full-time job. They would love to create content for our company and have a salary and benefits. And I've helped a lot of creators get jobs in companies where they're creating a video a day for that company. And, you know, I I think that that's a path that makes a lot of sense for creators Mm -hmm. being in those roles. Uh, It makes sense for the company to hire a creator. It makes sense for the creator to have some infrastructure. But the other other exciting stuff that um, I get to work on is, is helping creators come up with products of their own mm. um, where they don't have to feel 
stressed about oversaturating their content with brand deals. And, and I think most of them would love to have their own product, whether it was jewelry or ice cream or merch or could be anything. Um, but I, that's, that's what I'm excited about now is, is pairing creators with products and companies. You're a matchmaker. I love being a matchmaker, (laughs) uh, you know, similar to you. In a in a different way, in a different way. <laughs> Speaking of which, like clearly you work for you basically work for yourself, right? So mm-hmm. are you creating your own hours, your own schedule? Like is it is it all basically on your time or Yeah, every everything is on my time. Uh and for the most part, all of my employees are on their own time. There's a <laughs> there's a handful of people that come to the living room throughout the week to, to work from the living room or producers are producing the podcast or whatever it might be. But most of our, our teams are all remote. Um, we have some people in New York, like videographers and people on the ground who are creating or producing things. But for the most part, everyone that works with me or for me um, is remote. So um, I'm lucky to be able to work with companies to you know, sort of be the house and, and it, it is sort of an agency model, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of laugh at that sentiment because a lot of my free time and my curiosity, you know, ends up being put into projects. And I, I feel like I, a lot of what I love to do is, is learn by doing and, and grow things or, or get involved in things. So I think, um, it's great that I, I enjoy what I do and I, but I, I end up having to be mindful of not spreading myself too thin because yeah. I feel like whether it's ego or people pleasing or, or whatever it is, I love to say yes. And I ha- always have to retrain myself on saying yeah. no. <laughs> um, I feel like consistent personal or professional feedback can sometimes be to slow down or, um, you know, something to that effect of focus, very yeah, when you work for yourself, like people are like, "Oh, it's great. You have all the time in the world to do what you want to do." That me- but that's the double-edged sword. You have all the time in the world to work on things you want to work yeah, on. Yeah, but you're not you're not really like clocking out. No, um, never. So, and that that's um, also true for like people who are content creators. A lot of the time like a lot of their yeah. life is, "Okay, can this be content? How do I like <laughs> monetize this or how do I like capitalize on this moment in time?" Because that's what you're giving up most of your own time and very clearly like your effort and your time can be measured in your success, which is a tough way to live as like a content creator. But that being said, (laughs) where do you find the time? Uh, Clearly you're meeting tons and tons and tons of people. So is that primarily how you date? Is it from like meeting people? Are you on the apps? Like how do you make the time to date? I I think it lends to my personality being extroverted and, and my business is so um, networking and event and referral driven that I'm always out building relationships, um, events, you name it. So I, I think for me, I'm a very communal person. I love to host, um, you know, I, I love to entertain. I, I love to, you know, put on events, dinners, what, whatever it might be. Um, so I generally, I would say I'm, I'm meeting and dating people, you know, that I, I meet in real life. And the only app I've used over the last like 
five or six years has been Raya. I find that it's more international. And, and so for me, I've been, you know, I might match with somebody, you know, I would probably say more than 50% of my matches are people who don't live in New York. Um, but what ends up happening is that I would say you as a New Yorker, you know this too. If you don't live in New York, you'll end up in New York yeah. at some point, at some time. I don't care if it's for a weekend or a week or, you know, you take a job or you work or school, whatever it is. Like people always end up visiting New York. And my last girlfriend, you know, we matched on Raya maybe a year and a couple months before she ended up in New York and was like, hey, I'm in New York. Do you want to grab coffee? Mm. And, you know, when we met, it was electric and, you know, she's from Germany. So I, I really don't mind distance uh, because I think it creates that autonomy we were talking about where, um, you know, you, you have separate lives. But it was sort of six months of, of back and forth. But I love love. So I'm if I'm willing to sort of make a commitment to someone, I'm, I'm all in. Um, and the whole point of dating someone is to get to know them better. And, and, you know, when it doesn't work out, that's also great, you know, in terms of progress. And so for me, I would say I've had a good experience on Raya and the app. And then I've also had a great experience in real life. It's interesting because I feel like most people's qualm with Raya is the location situation that like, oh, it it's useless. Like, why am I matching with somebody who lives in LA or London? And yeah, it's true that, you know, <laughs> most people end up in New York at some point, but the chances of that turning into... Which is, which is great to have fun, but you're yeah. right. Like the chances of, <laughs> of that turning into something is is maybe more far and few between. But I will say that I, you know, I also had a, uh, a girlfriend I dated for maybe nine months that I met on Raya who lived in LA. And, you know, I was two or three weeks in L.A. and then traveling instead of going back to New York. And um, we spent quite a bit of time together. And I I never felt, you know, far or distant in that relationship mm-hmm. um, where it's funny, like even if someone lives, you know, three subway stops from you, you can feel distant from them yeah. in New York. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm quite unbothered by the, the distance. distance. Just because I feel like when you live in the same city, you can fall into the trap of playing house too quickly. Mm. And oftentimes I find that can be difficult in terms of like building your lives in parallel rather than like forcing them together too quickly. 100%. Yeah. I think think it could be healthy, you know, in, in terms of like boundaries, but just because New York can be so fast paced. And yeah, I, I think for that reason, it, I'm open to anything is the point. I was yeah. like, if I, had a, if, I, if I had a point, I would have made it already. But I, I think that the, the point of that is that I'm really open to to anyone anywhere if the energy is right. And, you know, I think the attraction and the curiosity and the sentiment is there. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always open to explore I think there can be an argument made for distance. Like I was in a long distance relationship at one point. I was dating somebody who lived in London and I actually loved it. And I think it works. (laughs) I think it works for people who are busy because you very much can have your own life and build your own life but still be reliant on having like a partner which is nice (laughs) you're not like constantly like I need to give up x amount of my time to spend with just my partner Mm. um 
it works it works really well for people who are autonomous. I don't think it works so well with people who aren't, but I yeah. I definitely do have uh I do think distance is not like a terrible thing when it comes to relationships. Well, I, I think it goes both ways in the sense that like, you know, distance can be revealing or or playing house can be revealing. You yeah. know, and I and I think uh my reference to that is is my experience in in both. So the example I used from the, the person I dated in LA a few years ago, um, the distance was revealing uh, in the sense that it became clear that they placed a lot of the emotional responsibility in their life on me as, as their partner um, to the point where, you know, I, I feel like it revealed that they didn't have enough real friends or support mm. um, in their own community where I would be in New York for a couple of days and they would ask me to come home early, you know, back to LA a couple of days mm. early. And, you know, it's like, Hey, it's Thursday at 6 PM. Like, can you, can you talk to a friend um, where, you know, if the autonomy is not there, like, of course there's special situations or, or, or different things. But I, I think if, if that becomes uh, if the distance becomes a problem, where you feel like a lot of their their emotional state or responsibility is placed on me as a partner. Yeah. That that makes it really difficult to feel like I'm dating a secure person and that and security can mean many things whether it's it's self-esteem or it's or it's just the support system that you know comes with maturity and and you know that I think is attractive. You know I I want to know that like I think the problem there uh, was that this person was just uh, obsessed with presenting their life to, mm. to friends without actually being vulnerable enough to ask for help. And asking for help is so difficult. Like, I think that's probably the most relatable thing in the world, but it's also painful to watch someone you love not ask for help. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that was part of the stress that is revealing with distance is like, you know, I think it just lends itself to that feeling of codependency that is can be really heavy at times uh, when yeah. it pulls on the heartstrings. And so I think the the other thing with playing house that can be revealing is you get you know you get to know somebody's habits and principles uh, on on decisions they make and, and how they choose to live very quickly, which is which is great when when you're aligned, but also you know, great to discover sooner the better, you yeah. know, so. How many relationships would you say that you've been in? Five, I would say. Um, and I mean, I, I I think thoughtfully about that answer because I think those are meaningful relationships. Um, yeah, and I, I, would, I would look at those as like maybe like nine months or longer, like, or six to 18 months is like probably the range of, of those relationships. Um, How long was your longest relationship? Yeah, almost a year and a half. Yeah. Um, but I, I find that most of my relationships will end at the six to nine to 12 month range. And I think that that has been a really healthy process for me mm -hmm. in terms of learning what's acceptable, learning what, you know, you're willing to tolerate and, a lot of it is is driven around for me, I think now, could this be the mother of my children? Like and if the answer is no, then like there's there's no reason to to date, to waste their time or my time. I, I think for me, 
um, as long as there's that question is like a maybe or yes on the spectrum, um, that's sort of the qualifier. And it's not, I think it sounds maybe like an overwhelming question to ask, but I, I think it feels appropriate. I, I think that a lot of things fall into that bucket around principles and how you treat other people and um, stability. Yeah you know, emotionally across the board. That's like my question, right? Like mother of my children. Well, one, you know, you want kids, which a lot yeah. of people don't know that they want. Um, yeah. So that's important. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't wait to be a dad. I mean, that day yeah. is not tomorrow, but you know, I, I will thrive in that role. I, I can't wait. So yeah. I think that's important to me for sure. Well, the second thing is, you know, this overarching checkbox of like, could this person be the mother of my children? Like, what does that entail for you? Like Mm. off the bat when you, even as simple as like, if you're swiping on Raya, what is catching your attention? What do you think? What are you intrigued by? How does somebody get their foot in the door? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's easy to answer that question when you're meeting people in person. I think when it comes to an app, um, most of us are in person kind of persons, you know, like, and I think, um, Obviously, you want to be attracted to your partner, and and that's a big component, which makes swiping easy. But when when you look past that, I, I think both from from the IRL or the app angle, it's it's sort of like how well do you know yourself? How well do you treat other people, especially other people who can do nothing for you? My mom and my dad came from nothing, and like my mom had like three waitressing jobs that she put herself through college, and and I had some service jobs, um, and just it's, I think, how you treat other people is so important. And then um, ambition is important to me. I, I, I want to build a big life. And, you know, I, I want my partner to, to be my teammate and be a part of that. And, and I think um, we're all smart and creative and in our unique ways. So I think for me, my part of my ambition is to build things with my partner, you know, um, I don't, I don't care if like we live in a cute town and like we own a pizza shop in town just for fun. Like I want to, I want to be surrounded by, by, by businesses that allow us to to do anything and say yes to things. But mm-hmm. I think family is obviously very important. Um, you know, your relationship with your parents, your siblings, um, emotional stability and like self-awareness, you know, we, we love a self-aware baddie, you know, and, and I think that looks like a lot of different things for different people. So, um, self-care, you right. Like, does this person prioritize themselves? Um, what are their habits and, you know, are they disciplined? Are they, are they, do they have non-negotiables in life? So I, I think that all of those things are really exciting and then fun. So I, I think, you know, the sentiment of like, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Like, I'm spontaneous. I, I travel a lot. I, I'm extroverted in, in that way where while I'm communal, I lo- I also live for experiences mm-hmm. and, and I, I will overspend on experiences, um, <laughs> you know, over anything. And I, I think there's a lot of statistics that support that most of us will, uh, nowadays. So do you find yourself like being attracted to those similar kinds of people who are also maybe extroverted and uh, will spend their time the same way that you like to spend your time? Or do you think it's 
there's some level to like opposites attract. You want somebody to sort of balance your energy out, maybe keep you at home on days that like you might be going out a lot and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, as, as much as I, you know, I'm out of the house, I, I feel like I also have a great practice of being able to be quiet and um, take time for recovery and, and fitness and, and those things. So I don't know, I, I feel like I've dated a really wide range um, in terms of personality. I think it's usually day to day chemistry, whether it's emotional chemistry, sexual chemistry. Uh, I think it comes down to energy. And, and I think I'm someone who can vibe with pretty much anyone. Um, and so I think if people are introverted, that's fantastic. Um, people I've dated who are introverted are like so happy that I'm extroverted and I can yeah. do all the talking <laughs> in a room or like, they're like, why don't you go to that? And yeah. I'll be right here. Um, but I've also dated equally extroverted people and I, I've really enjoyed dating people who, you know, we'll go to an event together and they'll go make friends and I'll go make friends and, yeah. you know, we'll circle back and talk about the people we met and, you know, we'll, we'll leave together. And I, I think, again, it comes to like autonomy and in a relationship, like, are you able to, you know, not be attached at the hip to someone or are, yeah. you, are you able, are you able to sort of like build your own, like network and build your own relationships and like hold your own, whether it's in a conversation or, or in an environment or, um, you know, I find myself often like getting carried away when meeting new people and in, in terms of, conversation or, or, or dot connecting or, or whatever it might be. So I, I think it's important that, um, yeah, someone, someone be confident and, and know what their agenda is in life and, and what they're working on. And like all the, all those things are helpful. I, I think like it's easy to even look at that in a granular way because I was really similar before my last relationship. One of the things I like knew I was looking for with somebody, I throw a lot of events like with this podcast. <laughs> I I knew I wanted somebody who could be on their own. Like when I was throwing events, that you know I can go off and do what I need to do, and they'll be fine, and I don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Like it was something as granular as that that was like a checkbox in my head as something that would be important in a future partner. And I think that manifests itself in lots of different ways, and that can show up in a lot of different ways. But yeah, I, I definitely resonate with like what you're saying there because I have been there. I'm that kind of person as well. In terms of like, you know, I think a lot of people, it's very easy for people to be like, I want somebody who's ambitious and kind and sure. smart and like who doesn't want a person yeah, with wanna, yeah. all of those. Of course. We love uh, kindness in this exactly. house. Exactly. You know? Like, oh, I want somebody to like build a life with and like. It's it's so it's so easy to say that th those things because who wouldn't want those things, right? So in terms of like what you have been attracted to in the past or the kinds of people you have dated, like both physically and in terms of like maybe experiences you've had, is there anything that really stands out for <laughs> something that <laughs> you're like, yeah, I absolutely want this or absolutely never again. I'm never doing this again in my life. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's funny. There, there is some consistency, uh, in, in the women I've dated. Um, 
where they may also have blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, and uh, I think part of my own vanity is like, I like looking in the mirror and dating someone, um, you know, that way it can be a lot of fun, but you know, that I've, I feel like I've, I've dated across the board and, and had fun and, and um, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily have a, a strict type or, or preference. It's always been about, um, you know, how we get on and, and all of those other things I mentioned. It's, it's so funny to try to qualify a vibe. Um, and I will say that I think, um, I'm incredibly easygoing, you know, happy to go with the flow. Like you want to cancel plans last minute. No problem. So thrilled for us. Uh, you want to go do something like in five minutes, like I'm there. Cool. Um, so I think, being able to go with the flow and, and like in the right context, obviously, um, is, is helpful where it's more of an attitude of like, this is not the end of the world. Um, mm-hmm. I think, um, dramatics or drama or, or, um, can be, can be difficult for me where, you know, or, or help me balance someone else out in, in terms of like being a calming presence. Yeah, you're like a pragmatic person. Super pragmatic, uh, incredibly like people tell me I'm too calm. Mm. Um, you know, you're not you're not happy enough when you're happy, and not sad enough when you're sad. Um, mm. But I feel like I have my own spiritual tools and you know my own support system, um, a friends therapy program, like where I have tools to deal with life, and so. I'm not always putting them on a partner right. um, in a relationship or in business. Uh, I feel like I'm able to sort of self-regulate and, and handle a lot. So oftentimes I feel like feedback for me has been that I don't communicate enough or I don't voice, you know, things in a relationship that maybe bother me hmm. um, where I may end up having a conversation with myself of like, I don't like X, Y, and Z. So therefore like this relationship doesn't work for me. Um, Mm. And had I voiced those things, uh, the other person may have felt like they could could have been addressed or they could work on it. And, and, and by the time I've arrived at like that conclusion, it's, it's sort of too late. Mm. So I think, a lot of the, the things that I've worked on in the past have just been like... You need to get out being, of your head yeah, being, and, and yeah, being, being your own problem be, solver. Yeah, but being willing to like not be so chill, like, oh, let it go. No, it's <laughs> like, no, just like talk about it. I, I think uh, we get caught up sometimes um, in uh, not wanting to bring things up or like mm-hmm. something small. And I think um, for me, I've just been working on being more direct, like... So you're not a confrontational person. I do not like confrontation is not my first choice, mm. but I actually really enjoy it. <laughs> um, I, I love, I love confrontation. Um, maybe that's more of like a business thing, but I think I enjoy confrontation just because if we're meant to trust each other, like it's us against the world, right? So like mm-hmm. oftentimes I feel like that confrontation in a relationship can feel a bit of an attack or, or personalized. But for me, oftentimes I get really excited about being direct and confrontational 
when, you know, I want to get on the same page or I want to share what I'm thinking and, you know, things can sting or they may hurt or whatever it is. But like the whole point is to talk about them because I want to know what the other person is thinking as well so that we can make decisions together or we can feel things out together or work together because I think it's too easy to make assumptions and too easy to, to let things go. And then. Yeah. So when you meet somebody in person, uh, let's say at an event or X, Y, and D, however you choose to meet people, how do you go about like asking somebody out and Hmm. what is kind of your typical first date? Where do you like to go? (laughs) This is a question I forgot to ask at the beginning, which is a question I ask everyone. Um, Where do you like to go out and where do you like to eat? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think I love the name of your podcast drinks first, (laughs) because I think that dinner can be overwhelming for people, even a meal in general. Um, You know, I have a background in art, so I I, I love museums. I love art galleries. um, I am quite on the pulse of of shows. And and so there's always something to do in that world. And um, I'm also like an active person. So I love I love a walk in the neighborhood. I love a coffee. I love it. A dessert. I love, you know, something light. Um, we need more dessert dates. That's we need that more sounds like fun. Dates. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> if you want to crush a piece of cake together, like, what are we waiting for? Yeah, um, of course. Big sweet tooth, and I have a big sweet tooth because I don't drink. So um, interesting. You're yeah. sober. Yeah. For um, how long? Monday was eleven years. So congrats. Um, it's a huge part of my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got sober when I was 20 and, um, now I'm 31. Before even legal drinking age. Yeah. I've never had a legal drink in the United States. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but, uh, what was that decision? Like, I mean, I feel like I lived a lifetime, Mm. uh, from age 12, sneaking out of my house every day to, uh, 20, you know, I went to boarding schools and I, I grew up very fast, uh, proximity Mm. to Europe and, um, so for me, um, you know, alcoholism runs in my family and, and I had way too much fun. And for me, I got the bug. So when I, when I left, um, my first university, I went to rehab at 20 and, and I stayed sober since, you know, and I, I worked very hard at that. It's, it's a big part of my life, but I also didn't get sober to not have a good time. And the funny thing today is, most people don't know I don't drink, you know, um, it's not something I, I talk about or, or volunteer unless I think it can help somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this context of being anonymous, I think it's great. I think for me, um, it's given me a life, um, and it gave me a purpose in life, which is helping others. And I've carried that into all the professional work I do, which allows me to find fulfillment in, in everything I do. But, um, most people will be like, so that was you dancing on that table all by mm-hmm. yourself. You had no help. And, uh, it's funny. And you're today. completely sober. Like, no, yeah, I don't, I don't, other... I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't since, you know, 2012. So, mm-hmm. um, that's not a bump, not a joint, not, not even mushroom chocolate, you know, what the kids are doing these days. So mm-hmm. I feel like for me, I look at it like I'm allergic, right? So Mm -hmm. if you wanted to eat strawberries and I was allergic to strawberries, I wouldn't tell you not to eat strawberries. Uh, Strawberries are fantastic. We both know that. Everybody knows that. It's common knowledge. Strawberries are fantastic. So for me, 
you know, I pour a lot of drinks for people. Um, I host a lot of parties. I love entertaining. My fridge is full of alcohol. They're, yeah. you know, my, my buddy who I live with and my business partner smokes weed. Like there's weed in my house. Um, I'm so unbothered and unfazed by it. Yeah. But, um, it's such a big part of, of life and entertainment that, you know, it's, I always joke because I am sponsored by alcohol companies and I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, for me, that's fantastic. Um, I love being in control. And, and the most important thing for me in my life is that I'm able to be a safe person for people, friends, family, in relationships. Um, I love being useful and I love um, being a safe person for people. So I think um, it's funny because I have more fun than most normal people who do drink and who are hungover and um, or a lot of my friends, you know, are asking me to, Hey, can you get me into this restaurant or this nightclub or this party? Or, um, can you put me on the list? Can you connect me to the doorman? Uh, mm-hmm. do you have a guy for this thing yeah. that I want? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Of course I can help. Of course. Like, you know, um, and I think that's been really enjoyable. Um, so I would, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Being sober doesn't mean you don't have like a personality. <laughs> I, yeah. um, you know, despite the name of this podcast, I've been sober for the past six months. No way. So yeah, um, I I, and I'm also sponsored by alcohol companies, and I go yeah. out all the time and have a yeah. lot of fun. And it has not impacted the level of fun that I can and can't have. I think it just means you're a fun person and have a good personality, and you don't need alcohol to do that. Um, yeah, man, I'm so high on life. I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it's been interesting for me because I'm kind of like newly in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, six months is not that much. I also was in a relationship when I started being sober. And mm. now I'm not in a relationship, but I'm still sober. So I have not navigated dating really like being mm. sober. Um, and I think it's something that I'm starting to like as I've become more ready to date, I'm starting to try and figure mm-hmm. out what that looks like. And yeah. so I would love your insight on what that's been for you because I'm the same way. I don't care around, about being around alcohol. I'm constantly out. I'm con- I'm pouring drinks, making drinks for people. Like it's yeah. not an issue for me to be around alcohol. I don't care to go to a, like, sure, I can go to a bar on a first date. I'm just not going to drink. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. like, are you the same way? Like, would you date somebody who drinks and or does drugs? Yeah, like, yeah. is that fine? I, I have I have no problem with with drugs and alcohol for other people. I think, you know, we're all adults and and everybody, you know, should know their limits. I think um, for me, it's not usually something that will come up. I feel like I always have a drink in my hand, whether it's Red Bull, Diet Coke, mm. you know, Pellegrino. Um, so for me... When it does come up, you know, I, I use the allergy uh, mm. analogy and I find that that's really effective because I find that people need to know, for the most part, need to know why. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, saying I'm allergic is true and, and, and it's just I react differently than other people. So it's, it's something I, I stay away from. But genuinely, I would say it's really rare that someone is bothered by it. I think that initially out of respect, people want to make sure that it's appropriate to drink or, or to drugs around me. And I, yeah. I really, um, 
you know, I encourage people to be themselves and, and to, to have fun and do what they like um, without, you know, fear of, of judgment. You know, I think if people, you know, have a fear of, of me judging them, like I usually share my story and they're like, oh my God, that's what you used to be like. Like, I'm never in a place to judge someone mm-hmm. um, just because I've done it all and I've, I've had my own mistakes like I'm, I'm human so I think um, it's been a really good part of my dating life and genuinely I would say the partners I've had have really appreciated it well what I do want to know a little bit about just changing pace a little bit is do you have any experiences of like worst dates or funny dates oh or gosh. anything that <laughs> any experiences you want to like highlight yeah I mean I, I feel like there there's always both ends to the spectrum you know some of the the worst experiences I've had like people have literally blown up a relationship in a single night um mm. out and I'm like oh so didn't know I was dating this person um my last relationship actually ended that way where mm. they and this is this is feedback we talked through you know in in talking through the events that led to me ending the relationship she was feeling sort of insecure a little bit about the relationship and and we were going out to celebrate a friend of mine and she wore something like listen you can wear whatever you want it's like how you wear it but like one of those like sheer see-through jumpsuits where you can only see like your thong and the bra, which is a great fun trend. Sure. Whatever. But it's like how you wear it. And in the club, she's just like all these asshole men keep looking at me and I'm like, it's cause you're naked in a nightclub, but okay. And then she was like, played like an immature game of, do you want to fuck that person? Who do you mm. want to fuck in this room? And I was like, Hmm. <laughs> How, how old are we? And she was like, I would fuck that guy. And goes, talks to that guy, comes back. He's like, yep, I would fuck that guy. Or it's like rude to the bottle staff or or the bus boy or to friends or then like making out with a couple of girlfriends of mine. And like we, we never talked about that, mm-hmm. like what's acceptable, what's appropriate, what's not. And then to put my friends in that position um, as well is just like – so just like inappropriate – and, and that like, was your on, last like relationship on a mission to get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, like, how did you not see this Yeah. But through? Um, we just like, hadn't really had like a big night out drinking. Like I don't go to the club a lot. Like, yeah. Um, like if I go to the a nightclub, it's the box and there's a show and like, you're not just on a dance floor. So it, it's rare, but yeah, I also think it, it. there hadn't been an environment where she was, like, on a mission to get drunk. Mm. Um, and the whole attitude was, like, fuck you. And just, like, about to – and I was, like, okay, like, that's really too bad that, like, this couldn't have been a conversation. Instead, mm. like, you wanted to, like, drink about it. Um, and that's generally not the answer. Like, that to me is revealing but also just unacceptable and then, like, you know – said some things like, oh, you know, sometimes you just need validation from other men. And one of my friends was like, <laughs> can't relate. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think like that's a scenario where it was long distance. We were spending time here and there, here and there. Mm. But, you know, when we had been out many times, it was like light drinks or an event or a dinner or whatever. And we'd only been out to like a club a few times. So this that in a sense is like, yeah, we went on a date and then we went out with friends and it's like, 
you just blew up the entire relationship in one night in one night that could have just been like an honest conversation about how you're feeling which yeah is tough so how long have you been single now for so i've been i've been single since maybe february so the last six months Mm -hmm. um which has been fantastic but I think, you know, having a, a terrible date or experience when ending a relationship is the same uh, could also be like having just a, a terrible first date um, <laughs> in general, um, where on the first date, we were just like, you know, you're talking about mutual connections. It's New York is a small right. world, like we said, and like, <laughs> oh, you're my friend's ex-girlfriend. Cannot, right. <laughs> cannot, cannot date you. Yeah. Actually, I need to leave because I shouldn't be seen with you. Uh, and I was just like, didn't realize that I had like met her before. Mm. Um, because when I met her, it was like in passing, like I was, I was engaged with my friend, not yeah. like the person he was dating at the time for what, you know, whatever reason. And like, uh, I was like, Oh, Oh no, this is awful. Yeah. Uh, New York's tough like that. There is like so funny like that. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Everybody's connected. It's, it's hard to. In certain circles, it runs so tight that it's, like, kind of hard to break out of it. It's interesting. I think a lot of, like, women in New York are at a very high caliber, like, Mm. career-driven, like, like to take care of themselves, like, the way that care about how they look and how they dress Mm. and uh, are searching for partners who are at the same caliber or higher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had someone ask me, like, how financially stable I was on the first date. Really? Yeah, which I think is aggressive and (laughs) fantastic. I forget who was – the internet was blowing up about whatever her name is, like being like, show me your bank account on the first Mm. date, Um, which I think is a wild ask. Um, Did you respond well to that? Like did did you – Yeah, I mean I I found it so wildly entertaining uh, that you're asking this on a first date because – you know, I'm, I'm incredibly financially stable and happy with where I am in life, where I feel like I can date intentionally. Um, you know, I, I was not like opening my bank statement, but it's just like, I found it hilarious and entertaining, but also um, red flag. I'm like, yeah. not like, this, <laughs> I was is, this say. was great. I can't wait to go on a podcast to talk about this. And here yeah, we are. Here we um, are. <laughs> I think it I think it's funny because you you mentioned first dates and I I think even with what you're doing in terms of like having people come on and this is kind of like a first date and it's even like a first date for us in the sense that we don't really know each other right yeah. and so I I think that's even better um but I I think when when it comes to like openness and experiences not I made the mistake but it's maybe it's not something to share on like a first date is like you know, your, your sexual escapades and, and a lot, not a lot, but a handful of the creators I I work with professionally are OnlyFans creators and, and sex workers. And, you know, a lot of vice category creators also need help. They need solutions. They're making money. They want to build businesses. And, um, I, I love helping creators in any category. So I was in LA, uh, recently and I helped a friend host a play party and, um, for those that don't know, play parties or sex parties, and they come in all sort of kinds. But when uh, when we were on the date and we were talking about something, she mentioned like play. And I was like, oh, do you also go to play parties? And she was like, what's that? 
with a playboy. I was like, oh. Never mind. <laughs> never never mind. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, just kind of like pressed me on it. It's like once you've said like yeah. something and someone's like, no, no, I have to know. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, like play me sex. And, and uh, they were so, I feel like alarmed is the appropriate <laughs> word to use. And it's just like, um, I think, I think play parties can be fun, whether you're a voyeur or a participant or um, this one in particular is, is not like some of the ones people may be familiar with, like Kinky Rap and others where it's like a cocktail hour and then just people having sex. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's oftentimes too aggressive an experience for most people. And so friends of mine in L.A. wanted to throw a party that was lighter and um, more more intimacy and networking driven where the only rule was no sex. And so hmm. there was a lot of fun prompts around intimacy and questions and getting to know people. Um, I feel like I have to send you the party full invite because the description was hilarious. Wait, I'm so curious. Please send yeah. it to me. And, and at the end of the party full, they were like, this might even be a good experience for a first date. And you're like, yeah, first date, come to this play party with me. Um, but I mean, that the, sounds like fun, honestly. So much fun. Yeah. And um you know, I, I think that there were five prompts throughout the evening and they got more intimate as you went along in terms of like getting to know you so know, was your it date like or... group prompts? Like would they stop the party and like announce it? No, or was no, it no. like no, how no, did no. it work? Prompts, prompts were handed out to couples or people or or you know, everyone. And did you party. come like w- did you come solo or did you come as a couple? Because yeah, usually at play parties you go as yeah. a couple. Yeah, so so I would say ninety percent of people came as a couple. Mm. Um I brought um it's funny enough, I brought an ex-girlfriend of mine who is a really good friend of mine. Like, she's a sweetheart. We were – it's funny when I say ex-girlfriend. Like, we dated freshman year of college. Like, mm. neither of us should have been responsible for any of our behavior. Right. Um, but uh, she's, a, she's a sweet, sweet person, and, and we're good friends to this day. And, you know, it was it – was, it was great because we we know each other so well where like intimacy is so easy and just being yeah. direct, honest, whatever is great. Um, but like the last prompt of the evening was like, here's a vibrator, here's the remote, like have fun. And I, I think those types of environments where people are playing around you are, are exciting or fun and you get to talk about it if, you know, things you like and there's, there were toys all throughout the party, but um, it's something that I think, is missing from New York at the moment in, in terms mm. of more intimate and safe spaces mm-hmm. rather than some of like the play culture that um, is maybe more just sex driven and sex oriented where um, so that's not the rule really... was no sex, like penetrative no, sex. Yeah, no, no okay. penetration. Um, which meant that like it was, I mean, I, I also feel like when you give someone a rule, like, they try to push the boundary on yeah. that rule. So, which um, is fun in a way. Which is great too. And I, I think um, there, there's a bit of playfulness in, in that sense that I think uh, people are craving in New York. And so we've been looking at, at hosting something like that in New York as well. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think all of those things would be fun. But definitely something hilarious to end up talking about on a first date. Some of the, some of the most fun first or second dates I've had is getting tattoos with people. I remember <laughs> my waitress at a business lunch. We just had such a fun banter and I could see she was tatted up and we uh, we exchanged info after after lunch and then I was like, what are you doing tonight? You know, she was it was like the more it was uh, it was like a morning and lunch spot. And I was like, what are you doing tonight? She was like, 
to be honest, like nothing. I was like, great. You want to come get a tattoo with me? She was like, yes, I do. Um, and we got tattoos on our first date, which was hilarious. How many tattoos do you have like matching with women? Um, so that wasn't like a matching tattoo, but I, uh, I got a tattoo this year with a, with a girl who, when we met for the first time at an event, uh, we were both just talking about tattoos and we both wanted a disco ball tattoo. And so on our second date, our second, like we ended up getting disco ball tattoos, which is the tattoo I showed you. We have, we have matching disco ball tattoos because my artist is great and, and it, it was just so fun. But, um, that story for me is like, people tell me I'm a disco ball. Like some people are a ray of sunshine. I'm a disco ball. I shine light on other people. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love to have fun, but, um, I feel like, uh, I have a matching tattoo with a girl gang of mine. Uh, the four of us, me and three girlfriends of mine all have a matching rose tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, mine is on the, just below my ankle. So there's five matching tattoos with five matching tattoos yeah and then what's crazy is that a a girlfriend of mine uh who's who's always just been a friend we both got the same tattoo she was in london i was in new york and then three days later we met through a mutual friend and like just were like oh yeah i just got a new tattoo oh yeah me too what'd you get shut the fuck up yeah there's five girlfriends of mine uh that i have matching tattoos with it was the same thing um, i also have a lot of girlfriends um when you I say girlfriends like, you mean like friends who are girls yeah yeah, friends yeah. who are girls I, I feel like most men by at least my observation 80 percent of their friends are men hmm. i would say mine is more 50 50 split mm. um and i think that comes from having sisters I, yeah. I think it comes from wanting girls that are friends like genuinely wanting another perspective yeah. in my life. Um, and really, I really, really enjoy having so many platonic relationships with women because I, I think um, it's incredibly good feedback. I feel like I learn a lot and uh, so many things that just aren't worth having a conversation with the boys about. You yeah. Know? So I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, Is there anything lo- that you, you like? Gotta love, you gotta love dogs. Uh, gotta love dogs. Okay. You can also love cats, but you can't not love dogs. Um, <laughs> that's that's the one non-negotiable. If there's, if there's one takeaway, yeah. If any of our guests are interested in meeting you, they can through this podcast potentially. <laughs> um, we end every episode with a segment called Shots. Uh, I'm going to ask you rapid fire questions. Uh, this or that questions, you just got to answer them. So are you ready to do some shots? Yes. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Work hard or play hard? Play hard. Dine out or delivery? Dine out. Laundry or dishes? <laughs> dishes. TikTok or Instagram? TikTok. Money or fame? Money. Pepsi or Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola. Spicy or mild? Spicy. Coffee date or drinks date? Coffee. What's your favorite season? Fall. What's your favorite song right now? My favorite song right now 
would be Questionable Morality by Thousand Band Fawny. What is your drink of choice? Uh, Diet Coke. (laughs) (laughs) What would you rate yourself out of 10? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm like an 8.9. And if you had a boat, what would you name it? If I had a boat, what would I name it? Um... Rapid like, fire. Like, like, don't bother me. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, that was our last question. If so. I'm on a boat, like, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> um, well, oh, thank man. you so much for being on. And this was it, so fun. Yeah. If you're interested in matching with our guest, you can go to flow.page slash drinks first or at drinks.first on Instagram. There's a link in bio. You can fill out the form there. I'm your host, Ariana Nathani. You can find me on all socials at ariana.nathani. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great. <laughs>